It's another episode of Tournament in a Tea Break. This is Roz Sato. I'm also joined by Chris Otto. Hello. Hello. Um, and as you know, it's women's uh, semi-finals. We're actually at the sharp end now. Uh, and we have our four semi-finalists. We have uh, Johanna Conter, who uh, pulled off a great win against Simona Halep. We've got Venus Williams, who took out the reigning French Open champion. We have Gabine Muguruza, who is heading back to the final, hopefully, after a, a couple of years' absence. And we have Magdalena Barakova. So, out of this motley crew, uh, let's start with a little bit of a, an assessment of their performances. Well, let's start with the most amazing story, shall we, of Wimbledon, which is Magdalena Barakova. Her record at Wimbledon was 2-9 and nine prior to this season. And it's just so hard to believe that she's been able to run off five consecutive victories, reach her first career Grand Slam semifinal. Amazing. It's, it, it's just incredible. I mean, my biggest worry today was that she was just going to feel happy that she'd made it this far and it didn't, you know, it's like, I'm just happy to be here. But she came out and she really just socked it to Coco, I'm afraid. She did. She took it I'm to Coco. Sorry. You don't need to be sorry. She took it to Coco on two different courts, mind you. Took her to her on court one for about a set and four games and then took it to her on center. Finished her off. You see, this is where I was really surprised because I thought that maybe if... Obviously, it was very clear when they when they brought them off that it was, it was going to continue on center. And at that stage, Coco really... At that stage, the person who's losing is the one that probably feels that they're going to get the benefit in a break. And then also to play under the roof as well, which is very quick, very fast. It would suit Coco's game. But she really came out just flat-footed, I thought. Just not able to... I don't know what was wrong with her. That's a day she'll she'll want to forget as soon as possible. Um, it was tough for her, but you got to hand it to Rebarakova. Uh, stuck with her game plan, was able to get returns in play pretty much all day. And just, just proved to be a very tricky and effective grass quarter. But... She comes up against Muguruza, who has been here before. She's been to the final before. She's playing some outstanding tennis as well. I mean, she's given us, you know, we've had, I would say that some of the matches of the tournament have been the women. I'd say Konta Vekic, and I would say uh, Kerber Muguruza. I mean, they was, there were some crazy points and angles there. You know, she's looking, she's looking good. I think she's looking actually the best of all of them. She's looking the best she has all season. And, and now that she's reached the semis, you have to think... She's in uh, pretty much pole position to take this title. In fact, well, no, her form actually coming in wasn't great, was it? She didn't have many much in the way of wins. But wasn't this the case when she went to the final a couple of years ago? She did very little on clay, on clay, on very little on grass, and then suddenly had that run to the final. Yeah, she kind of runs hot like that. A couple wins for her, and she gets it rolling. And of course, we saw what she did against Kerber, which was was. Uh, Kerber returning to her 2016 form and yet still unable yeah. to take Garbina out. And then today she just kind of... Because uh, Netsova did not even play bad in that match yeah. out there in court one, but it was just a lot of power tennis from Garbina and a lot of consistency as well. She's playing pretty measured, pretty composed, staying within herself, but still the, the, the force that we all know her to be. Now, do you think this is a coincidence that she's playing this well uh, since, she, uh, since Sam took a break and she's been partnered with Conchita? Because there is a, a real sort of sense of enjoyment and almost pride in her work at the moment, yeah. which we haven't seen for a long time. 
It's certainly a storyline that it is happening without the presence of Sam Sumick. We won't know if it's a coincidence until we get a little further down the road, but hey, it's working right now. I know. Although to be fair, let, let's 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 put the counterpoint to the argument. He did actually get into a French Open title, so he did. let's let's he did. let's not let's not bury the uh, bang the last nail in his coffin no. just yet. Good call. So on to the uh, next one: Venus against Yelena Ostapenko. Um, that was a an interesting matchup. Uh, the fearless against the experience. What did you make of that? What I make of it is is Venus's greatness at Wimbledon on grass and in general shining through here she is again 37 years old into her 22nd Grand Slam semi-final with a good chance to take it all that's just incredible <laughs> when you start looking at those numbers it's like you know most people don't have cars that old it's crazy <laughs> she's in her 75th major she's played more majors than anybody else I mean we're looking we're staring into the face of a living legend it's mm. it's unreal I mean against Ostapenko you know Yelena was just hitting the ball, you know, doing what she does, um, and you know, and it was coming back with interest. I mean, being, you kind of had this feeling, you know, like when you have like a couple of dogs and a puppy comes in, and the puppy's mm. tried to, and the dog's just like pushing it away. It was that kind of, yeah. Okay, run along, run along, child. Were you surprised by it? Because a little, I've got to say, a little. I thought Yelena was just going to come in and batter her off the court yeah. because she just that's what she does. That's. That's her. But now let me ask you this. Shouldn't we have known? You d you don't push Venus Williams around. Not on grass. I mean, I the, I remember the first time I ever saw her on grass at Wimbledon. And, I mean, obviously this is going back quite a few years. And, you know, it was a sight to behold. She's, you know, she's so graceful on that. It's like that surface is built for her. And in a very different way to Serena, who just kind of bosses the surface. Mm -hmm. Venus kind of floats along it. I mean, she, you know, it, it's it's amazing to watch. Yeah, she becomes the best mover, or yeah, one of the best on... movers again, where you don't see that from her at this age on the hard court, or certainly not on the clay, no. but on the grass. She she has a way of moving on it. That's And given that the grass has like, killed everybody else this yeah, season, it's, it's, quite, it's quite amazing. But, of course, she has a challenge in the fact that she's going to face Britain's own Joe Conta. Mm. Now, obviously, the, the hyperbole is going to hit like fever pitch. Um, over the next couple of days while the British press just go mental over, you know, the fact that we could have our first winner since Virginia Wade back back when I was younger than I care to mention. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you've got to hand it to Joe. This is a person who, when she, in her early part of the career, used to choke um, quite horrifically. Uh, she lived and died by her results and... You know, from what she said today in her press conference, you kind of get the feeling that back then she was actually probably not very happy doing the job that she wanted to to do, uh, and she had a you know she had a mental coach that helped her get some clarity. And whilst I think that there's always that emotion like bubbling under the surface with Joe, and you see it when she when she's she had a fall last year in Eastbourne, and there was just like uncontrollable tears. She had that fall in in Eastbourne again. Mm. Um, you know, it was all ultra dramatic. But, you know, when the chips were down, to go down a set to Hallett, not with, what was it, a serve percentage of something like in the 90s in the first set? Right, close. Um, and, you know, she didn't even play that bad as she went down to Hallett for a set. And then she came back. And we, we're going to touch on that, get that match a little more later. But, you know, to come through that match in particular... Yeah, I... I'm not saying that Venus is going to be a piece of cake, but I certainly think, and with her record against Venus, she had a, straight, a run of three straight wins, I think. 
What did I say in the ride home? Conta's the slight favorite in that match? I believe you might because have done. If, because if I didn't, that's what I want to say now. Because <laughs> you've convinced me. You've convinced me. No, it, it appears like she's that she's coming of age right now. I mean, um, the the poise that she's playing with. I mean, watching her closely in the second set of that match out on center court today against Simona Halep, I thought her energy was maybe a little bit frantic, but she kind of reeled herself in, was able to, I mean, was, was two points from defeat, was able to kind of gather herself and calm down and then just took off in the third set. Just, I mean, just a dream set from her and a dream victory. And you talk about the hyperbole. It's already high. She's the first semifinalist yeah. since, uh, is it 78? So, so 39 yeah, so, years. Yeah, so since Ginny Wade again. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be difficult. I, th I think, um, well, here's another thing. I think that the match that she played with Vekic actually stood her in really good stead for this one against Halep because that was all drama. And oh, that was one of the quality matches we've seen here. Uh, and then she pulls it out again. I th I think having weathered that storm in that bowl with that crowd in this country, yes, um, against someone like Vida. And and to be fair, yeah, you know, we 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 people at Wimbledon, we love our champions. Mm -hmm. We really do. I mean, Venus is a much beloved champion, five-time hoister of the Venus Rosewater dish. So you know, th there's a lot of history that she's mm -hmm. going to go against, but. Oh. But yeah, I put it as a, but I think that's going to be a three set, ten eight type Vekic finish. Yeah, and you know I I think that that victory over Vekic was kind of a rite of passage. Now she's won. Mm. She kind of crossed the threshold. Let's not forget she was one at five, one in five at Wimbledon coming into this event. Right. And now she crossed that threshold. Has two more three setters under her belt. She's playing incredible. It's going to be a heck of a match. Yeah, I think so. So it's been an interesting couple of days for Wimbledon, hasn't it? Um, first we had Manic Monday uh, and the precursor to Manic Monday was lots of people saying oh you guys have Manic Monday you know what what do you think about that uh, I mean I don't think you'll find anybody having a Sunday off even the people who were trying to act like it was an awful thing to have you know anybody would think that having a little Sunday off is akin to shooting someone's puppy however um, I don't I think everybody needs it I think the players appreciate it because grass is is a living surface it's a difficult surface to play on and everybody seems to be falling apart <laughs> i think the grass might have needed it more than anybody after a week of extreme heat yeah seemed to be a little bit torn up and i think it looked to be playing a bit better today despite what novak Djokovic had to say after his win over adrian Manorino. now how, how much of a pass do we give him so the the situation obviously on manic monday with muller and nadal playing forever the the organisation, the ALTC, had an opportunity missed to put Federer and, and Djokovic, sorry, not Federer and Djokovic, to put Djokovic and whoever it was he was playing, Manorino. Yes, that is his that's name. That's his name. To put Djokovic and Manorino on um, centre. Um, but let's, let's be fair to the All England Club. There are some considerations that I think people forget to take into account. Number one, you need at least one, if not two, sets of line judges so that you can rotate them out after an hour. Yeah. And an umpire. Mm -hmm. You need all the people that you see stationed at every um, exit and entrance gate on, on, on the in centre court. Good points. I hadn't thought of it. Whilst, whilst I agree that they could have had a golden opportunity to, to, to schedule a, another match, because we, they, they, we know they do, 
I've been on centre court many a time when they then bring on a mixed doubles or a doubles. You know, so they we know they could do it. All right, it happened today. Coco yeah. Vandewey yeah. and Roberto were moved over, though they had a lot more time to think about yeah. it. But you know, they 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 could have done it. Um, but the excuse, I say, I struggled to say the ex word excuse. The reason that they gave was that there mm. were some three thousand people, uh, thirty thousand people still in the park, and therefore, if you announced that Centre Court was going to be reopened for uh, for that last match, you would potentially have most of those people on the hill sprinting across from the hill all the way down that little tiny corridor past where we sit into Centre Court. Is that a good enough reason? Well, okay. So they're saying health and safety. Um, plus, it does take a fair bit of organisation of the honorary stewards and the stewards from the services to be stationed there to... to to look after that they'd obviously stood everybody down so then you need all of that stuff and you know you think how many entrances there are and that you often have two people at each gate mm -hmm. so that's a lot of personnel that you need to suddenly refind in the grounds several hours after a match had gone down yeah well i can put this controversy to bed rather quick if you want me to by all means novak got in early and he's pretty much back on schedule no harm no foul yeah you know he seemed very upset, though. I, I did. He was a bit I was grumpy. surprised to see how grumpy he was today. He complained about the grass. He complained about what happened last night, and and I didn't expect him to. So hopefully he's got it out of his system and he can just move you on. You honestly didn't expect him to. I I was under the impression this was maybe instead of impression you could use the word illusion that he had worked this out with the AELTC that he and Agassi had gotten together and just kind of worked together on that solution that he was okay with it. But apparently he wasn't, and he got. No. He didn't have the say he wanted in it. But it, but still, it seems like a bigger deal out of it than we need to. Okay. Um, I mean, I I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's unlucky. I think, <laughs> I would imagine that there has been a bit, a bit of seething in the in the Djokovic household when he's seen that he's on court one again. And if the weather isn't, we haven't looked at the weather, but if the weather's a bit ropey tomorrow, he's going to be one unhappy puppy. But um, but then, you know, what what can you do? The other controversy, though, was at the end of um, our Joe's match, where obviously the crowd were involved. I mean, if, if anybody was watching on the television, they will have seen shots of the crowd with their hands up at their mouth, and everybody was so intense. And it's a great thing to see. It's a great thing to see that so many people are, like, so into, into this tennis match. But right on match point... Uh, a woman screamed and one of our colleagues, one of our esteemed colleagues, her was actually up in the stand and her niece was sat close to where this woman was. Everybody apparently was horrified and people were just like, oh my God, what, you know. Uh, but yeah, she basically screamed at the start. Well, Joe says it's at the start of her point, but I think it's actually after she's hit the ball and I think it's as it's on its way to Halep. And there's this huge scream <laughs> or squeal I don't know what you... A squeal, if oh, you will. No. Um, but there's this huge scream just as Halep is about to play the ball. And as a result, she just gives it a lame cut into the net. Nooney turns around and says that she can't... That they can't... They won't replay the point. And she just gives up the point. She doesn't fight. She doesn't make, argue her case. She doesn't do anything. The it's worst a, possible ending. Yeah. A it, breathtaking match. And it's a real anti-climax. Like oh, terrible. So what, what? How do we? How do we cure it? I mean, let let's be honest. Grand slams, in particular, are probably the 
is, is probably the, the the only time certainly in this country that many people ever pay attention to tennis um this is you know quite <laughs> I, I i've run out i've run out of um fingers for the number of people that have actually come to me and sort of have asked me what players do for the remaining 50 weeks of the year after wimbledon's over right, because right, they honestly right. genuinely don't know what they do um and for because Wimbledon's in London and it's relatively easy to get to, there's an element of prestige if you say, "Oh, I'm I'm doing Wimbledon this year," um, you know, because people just swan around drinking pims, you know. So that's that's what we chalk it up to, novice fans. I think so, because most I think so most normal tennis fans would probably gasp and do the collective groan when somebody misses a shot, but they they generally don't. Freak in the middle of a point. Novice fans that knew it was match point, though somehow. Do you think that? Yeah, so do you think they'd even know? Enough to know it was match point, or did they not know it was match point? Well, they're I just screaming. I don't know. I mean, but but, <laughs> it, but that's just it. I mean, you know, normally you get a fairly kind of generic sounding. Yeah. Oh no. When when you know when you think of balls gone in or out. Okay. It's not often that you get a squeal like that though. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. It was just like, uh, it wasn't even like a visceral scream. It was just like this like childish squeal yeah. of excitement. But it was a shame. And, you know, it was unfortunate. But you, I, I can put this one to bed as well. And, and, oh, go on. Because I saw Simona Halep basically kind of bow out on that point. She contributed to what went wrong there. She should have just overcome the whatever it was that bothered her. The sound was clearly there. She should have played the ball and realized there's no way out of this. Somebody screamed in the crowd, but you can still see the yellow ball. It's in front of you, so go ahead and whack it. She had a chance to hit a winner on right on that point. All right, let me let me counterpoint to this then. Joe takes a very extended t- toilet break at the end <sighs> of the second set, yep. but okay. now you think of how many times we've seen Halep with Darren in those long extended breaks where whilst there might not be that much engagement with them, she's still got Darren like, tell me how you feel. You know, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing well, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I saw something after after Ostapenko beat her in the French saying that on-court coaching cost Halep that final because she didn't have anybody to um, to help tell her what to do. She had to work it out for herself. Yeah. And I found myself thinking while Joe was off on this long toilet break, I saw Halep just sitting there and I was thinking, you're alone with your thoughts, Mona. Where, where's <laughs> this going to take you? And I think we know, I think we know where it's going to take her, yeah. as in, you know, I'm incapable of dealing with anything that a crowd throws up. Yeah, I don't I don't know if Darren could have saved her between sets there, but yeah, it, it, you know what? I think ultimately, at first, I wanted to put it on the fans, and I wanted to say, well, Wimbledon fans are known as such a savvy tennis crowd, and and they've kind of lost that reputation in my eyes. But but Simona it, facing that situation, you're in a Grand Slam quarterfinal, you have a chance to hit a winner and get you know save a match point, and then you know maybe one more, and you're back in this match. What she did is inexcusable. Now that I'm, mm. I'm just thinking this for the first time right now, but but I did watch the replay of it um, after the match and kind of watch it over and over a few times to really get the feel of it. And she blew it. Yeah, I mean, she could have hit it, even if it had gone out. If she'd hit it with with a fair yeah with a fair degree of commitment, she probably could have argued her case to to clear that you know this is this was interference. And conversely, because that was quite somehow that was going on. Mm-hmm. Conta could have turned around and sort of said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait," you know. But uh, you know, and I, what I hope it, what I hope has actually put it to bed is that we don't any we don't hear any more comments about that damn Fed Cup tie now. Enough. Oh, 
I'm done with that. Because, yeah. you know, and I, I love, there was a great line that Hallett threw about kind of, this is slightly different. There was like 2,000 people in Costanza. Yeah. There's like, you know, 15,000 people on her side here. I'm with you. Moratorium on Fed Cup, Romania, Great Britain. Oh, God, 2017. yeah. 2017. It's yeah. over. It is. It is. So, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Ross Satar from Britwatch Sports and... Chris Otto, Tennis Now. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Bye.